Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm warm. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, so my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast episode 180-something, number to be filled in later. Close bracket. Well, you could ask. I was going to say seven. Actually, it's 188. Yes, 188. Covering Mobius, part one. Are we going to do a poll for that, or are you just going to release them separately? They're going to go separately. Like I said, I'd rather have them in the bag. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Gatecast. A special occasion, we have two excellent guests. Proper podcasters. You hear that? We're proper podcasters. Does that mean we're English? (laughs) Proper. Proper podcasters. Hello. Go on, introduce yourself, lads. All right. I'm Scott Herzog, and I'm one of the uh, hosts of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. I am the other uh, co-host of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. So thank you guys for having us on. This is going to be great. Awesome. Is Sci-Fi Donna one of the 12 billion podcasts that Kevin Batchelor contributes to? Yeah. He has contributed. I mean, he's guest he has, hosted. His influence has not been, his influence has been felt. Uh, for example, we do a segment called the Sci-Fi Rewind that he uh, and Miles kind of collaborated on. But as far as the main mm-hmm. show, not so much. Podcast exists in the American subcontinent that Kevin Batchelor is not actually on. Indeed. If I didn't have a stack of approximately 200 hours body of books left to listen to, I would probably listen to Sci-Fi Diner. Mike seems to like it. <laughs> That's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> well, we're hoping to get some good... We're going to a con next month, and uh, we're going to meet some Stargate alumni there, and all works out, we'll get a chance to do an interview with them. I met a man that's happening at Phoenix Comic Con. I've never gone completely fanboy before. But I was just like, I started like, well, then... We're going to see her. She's going to be there, and Terrell Rothery is going to be at uh, uh, Shore Leave this year. So, how has your dining experience been lately? Uh, waitress! Waitress! Uh, what did he order? Oh, he has a special... That's what I ordered! I changed my order for the soup! Good move. Been like that poor fella, then we'd like to suggest the Sci Fi Diner podcast for great, tasty, and spicy cuisine. Weekly, we offer up top news, interviews, and have great conversations on what's going on in the world of sci fi. Make your reservation today at the Sci Fi Diner Podcast.com. Check, please. I have to tear useful little files that you tend to leave in the Dropbox. I assume you wouldn't need them. I'm not sure if I do or don't. The disc seems to have been tidied. I hate it when people tidy things. What have we here? Reckoning part one and two in threads. That's not the right disc. Our occasional co-host Brad from Australia is going to follow along on Twitter. It's currently about 4am for him. Great. I am, as some of you may know, now Catalyst. They have gone back to the rescue centre. Oh. They may be placed in a good home. In order to get somewhere that I can take that can take them, I'd have to get off-campus accommodation, and off-campus accommodation doesn't include utilities. Yet here are the cats because they wouldn't let you have them in your place. You do know where I'm going, yes? Why would he? Oh, that's true. Actually, it hasn't been announced. I'm moving to Finland. Oh, okay. By the way, I don't own season 9 or 10. Why not? I never got around to buying it. <laughs> Remind me who started this podcast. Well, I didn't actually think it'd go on this long. <laughs> you know? I don't think we're going four and a half years and eight seasons later. By the way, my advice, Scott and other Mike, is... Miles. Miles, sorry. If there's a pause, jump. <laughs> jump. Great. Now my metal jukebox is on that. I can't even remember who sang it. These guys with trousers somewhere around their ankles. Jump around. Are your lines duly cocked? Standby. I haven't tweeted. Have you tweeted? Yep, I've tweeted. Oh, good boy. Are you all set to go, lads? Bring it on. He knows me well enough to tell when I'm winding up. <laughs> well, if everyone is ready... Yep, we might as well jump straight in. 
No missing. Three, four, at Flicky. I won't be Swedish. Fair enough. Do something totally different that not only confuses me, but also our guests. That threw me off. You want to start again? No, 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 I'm just kidding. It's all good. Oh, you actually started when I said Clicky? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're having deeply involved discussions here. First picture of the Daedalus, the new Atari starship. Hopefully we all get to go this time. Well, last time they were worried about spreading our resources too thin. Built from scratch with Asgard technology. There's still a few system lords out there, but without their Jaffa armies, they've lost most of their power. Indeed. I like what they did with it. <laughs> no personal phone calls. Hmm. Carter. Yeah, hold on. It's for you. Yeah, how did they get through? Uh, the bad news. Yep, yeah, hi. Actually, this is one of my favourite season 8 jack lines in it. Remind us when we get to it. I will. No, I was just talking to her last week. Uh, Catherine Lamford. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Thank you. I mean, the original Stargate movie into the SG-1. What is it? Catherine Langford died last night. Yeah, I know. I, I love seeing her in some of the... When they brought her in. That was an odd little teaser. Yes, yeah, short and sweet. And pretty much relies on you knowing who she was. And fade to black. All right, then. Mobius, part one. Season eight, episode 19 of Stargate SG-1. The Gatecast episode 188. The episode was directed by Peter DeLuise, written by Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mully. The story was a collaboration between Joe and Paul, Brad Wright and also Rob C. Cooper. The episode had its world premiere in the UK, February the 15th, 2005. The Australians had it March 10th, the Americans March the 18th. The Canadians got it June the 8th, the French August 12th and the Germans January the 25th. Um, there is a commentary track for this episode. Unfortunately, it's only on the Region 1 DVD. Peter DeLuise and Gary Jones have a natter about all things Stargate and often stray into other topics. As always, they are very funny, but not exactly the most technically orientated commentary track. Surprisingly, there was no episode, same title from any other series. To be honest, I expected one or two. Catherine Langford was more than just kind and generous. She had a gift. Did you have nobody else? Why is Daniel giving the eulogy? Well, it was very important to her. So, can we assume your other man's croaked then? Which other man? What's his face? The guy from yeah. about six seasons ago. Well, he was old, wasn't he? Yes. Yes, in remembrance of Ernest Littlefield, played by Paul McGillian and Keen Curtis. I, for one, have no idea where I would be today if I'd never met her. <laughs> Close up with the lady. She changed my life in more ways than I ever could have imagined. He's right, though. I mean, she really did change his life. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, blown his brains out, drunk in a little bedsit. She saved his life in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, raining in Vancouver. He looks surprisingly tall. He was standing on something. <laughs> uh, Dr. Jackson? Hi. Hi. I'm Sabrina Gosling. I'm Catherine's niece. Oh, yes. Of course. Uh, Sabrina Gosling is played by Georgia Craig, a Canadian actress. She's been in Battlestar, Dead Zone, the 4400, Supernatural and the L Word. She's got really white teeth. Well, yeah. You know, my aunt used to talk about you all the time. <laughs> it's funny, I always used to picture some Indiana Jones type as a bullwhip and a pistol chasing bad guys through some ancient temple. Yeah, well, I generally leave the whip at home. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Get in there, Daniel. Mm. Yeah, leave the whip at home. Yeah, because uh, the last blonde you associated with ended so well. And that is the original prop in the movie. That's awesome. Great throwback. She thought of you like a son. It must be worth a bit as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Somehow I can't imagine Ra walking around with her costume jewellery. No. Thank you. There are a few other odds and ends she wanted me to give you, um, but I wasn't able to bring them today. Is there an address where I could send them? Yeah, of course. Great. Yeah, a few other odds and ends. Yeah, like what happens after this. Yeah, just a few odds and ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you broken my rule and actually watched the episode beforehand? This line. You been shopping online lately? What you talking about? Well, you got a little delivery here. Shopping online? Yes. <laughs> Dialer with the manifest. When it comes on a clipboard, <laughs> you've got to worry. With several pages. Holy... <laughs> Buckets? Buckets. <laughs> Looks like her entire collection. Well, that should keep him busy for a, for a while anyway. I prefer stamps. 
Jack's a philatelist. Who knew? How do you keep Daniel Jackson busy? No, I, I love this scene. This is good Jack. Troilite and a mesostasis phase which contained micrometer crystals. Now it's undergoing further testing, but we hope to have the results on your desk first thing tomorrow morning. Don't you keep me waiting. Dr. Belinsky, played by David Lewis, his second time in the show. Jack hasn't smacked him yet. Well, here's the sarcasm. Well, to him, this is important. It's okay. If it's important, you must interrupt. You must. I think we may have found a ZPM. Yes! (laughs) 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 Desperate arm reach out. Please, God, get me out of here. (laughs) Kind of reminds me, one of my staff said to me today, I've got such and such on the phone. Do you want to talk to him? And I said, I'd really rather drop. <laughs> it details the customs and rituals observed by the ancient worshippers of the sun god, Ra. Uh, Ra. Now, while I was flipping through the pages, I noticed this. It appears to be a zero-point module. The worshippers of Ra referred to it as the heart of light. This is a, a reproduction of a wall painting discovered by German archaeologists in 1885. It was destroyed in a museum fire ten years later. But the ZPM was never found. No. What are the odds if he finds something relevant just on a casual search? Well, he's ex-ancient, you know? He has uh, instinctual connections in his brain. And a stunning coincidence, if that hadn't been for letters from Pegasus, they would have never known about the ZPM or recognised it. Sorry, Daniel, but if it's there, it's probably been depleted. Ah, to be honest. According to the text, it was a religious artefact, an icon. It was never used as a power source. Yes. Yeah, it was pretty. It stood on the shelf, glowing. Mm. Ra was pleased. We don't know where it is now, but we do know where it was. Oh dear. Don't say it, Daniel. That's never a good idea. You would think with Ra and the gold, he would have been able to figure out that was some sort of powered device. If I have to say what one more time, heads are going to roll. We have a time machine. We can go back and get the ZPM. She wouldn't let me go back and watch the Cubs win the World Series. Jack, this is a unique opportunity. Ra never knew what he had, which means we can go back and take it without adversely affecting the timeline. It makes you wonder just how intelligent Ra is. I mean, we've, we've got a view of the Guol from Apophis and Baal, you know, that some of them are very intelligent, while others just seem to uh, hijack a religion and go for it. We would have to be extremely careful to minimize our interaction with the people of the period. Yeah, there's that. But I thought you said you couldn't get it to work. No one at Area 51 has been able to engage the time device. In fact, they've barely gotten the ship off the ground, but... You were able to fly it without too much difficulty. Indeed. You have demonstrated an exceptional ability to control ancient devices. Jack, think about it. With a fully functional ZPM, we could power Earth's defenses and open up a wormhole to the Pegasus galaxy. Yeah, because that's going to work out so well. You wouldn't have thought Sam would have been up for this. Nope, she is Mm. not. All the really strong Atlantean ancient gene people fecked off to Atlantis. Haven't they ever seen Futurama? Look what happened to Fry. Yeah. Or Red Dwarf, you know. There's a very big risk. You could be your own dad. Well, your, your mind is controlling it. The ancient computer should be able to extrapolate from your concept of time. Well, shouldn't we test it on a slightly smaller leap? Jack's concept of time? Not 3001 or 3002. 3000 exactly. Yes. Why 1908? The deception came out in 2008, so that'd be like 100 years prior. Is this the first time we see a little sort of shimmery effect? The time jump, yeah. First time we see it anyway. Any particular day of this century for you? Daniel says so much without words. And could Jack actually be nervous? Come on, Jack. You can do it. Think happy thoughts. 3000 BC, 6am, Wednesday. Pete DeLuise in the commentary referred to this as the time condom. The time condom? <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Well, you expected more, didn't you, really? Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a letdown. Yeah. Try the radio. What are the odds, Dash? Oh, Duke seemed concerned. Stargate Command, this is Daniel Jackson. Do you read? Stargate Command, this is Daniel Jackson. Come in, please. Why is Duke standing up and looking concerned? Ah. Ah, there you go. The stars are different. Earth was in a different orbit around the sun 5,000 years ago. I think we did it. The trick is to get back home. Then you can celebrate. Huh. Hmm. Time and space. Fortunate. I think it was to get Jack back in the team. <laughs> can't believe I'm finally going to get proof that the Great Pyramids predate the Fourth Dynasty. So what are you going to do? Stand in the picture holding a newspaper with today's date? This is an archaeologist's dream. I'm going to get as much footage as I can. Just be careful. We're here for the ZPM. In and out. Minimal interaction, minimal impact. No problem. I mean it. All of you, sir. 
Got it. Got it. You're gonna need this. We've determined that it remotely activates the ship's cloak. Were you able to find out where they filmed the desert part, the Egypt part at? Richmond Sand Dunes. It's the sand resource for a huge concrete production facility. Uh, in Vancouver? Yeah, which has gradually got smaller over the years. Yeah. Right now, there's literally just one big pile of sand. Everybody that films it has to film in one particular angle. Otherwise, you see car park, roads, factories. Well, it's done good. Where those pyramids are, that's where the car park is. Yes, yeah, so Tuscan Balls and... This scene reminds me of the uh, original Stargate movie. Hmm. Not many dark-skinned people. Hmm. For Egypt, that is. Still, the only black guy in Egypt. <laughs> well, my ancient Egyptian's a little rusty, but I think I got the gist of what they're saying. That's Katep and his brother Salatis. Hey, guys. Usual that Daniel is so fluent in ancient languages. Yes, especially considering the fact that he went from not speaking at all to suddenly understanding the language on Chile perfectly. On Abidus, rather. I was kind of hoping we wouldn't have to stay that long. I'm sorry, I keep thinking I'm going to step on a bug and change the future. Well, we can't just walk into the temple unannounced. Public audience is the perfect way to get inside. We just have to keep a low profile. Yes. But more importantly, did they say what was for dinner? <laughs> a low profile. Jack, we're talking to you. Yes. <laughs> priority. Jack, hungry. Well, food is Jack's priority. He's probably wondering what kind of jello they have. Oh, nicely lit, that is. Mm. I love this upcoming scene with Ra's outfit. I love Ra's outfit. Original movie Ra, awesome. Kree, tell us! You can tell this poor actor can't see. And you can tell going. they aren't going to show his face. Theme music is even the same theme music from when Ra enters in Stargate, the original movie. That looks really heavy. It was heavy, and like I say, he's totally blind. That's why he has the two handmaidens actually guarding him on the mm -hmm. steps. The actor is Jay Williams, plays Ra in another episode. Hmm. Yeah. Is that his voice? I do not know, to be honest. I don't think he was too impressed with the offering. He says he will not tolerate such disrespect from his followers. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Jack? <laughs> Patience, Jack. Sir? Let me do it now. I won't have to do it in 5,000 years. You can't do that. There's no telling what effect it might have. Who'd want to volunteer to bring the tribute to their god? Mm. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Quick to offend. You have 50% chance to live. <laughs> he probably drew the short straw. Mm. <laughs> Now, the brother here is, um, if I remember, Alessandro Giuliani. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Mm hmm. Smallville and lots of other stuff. Free! Free not! Yeah, also been in Stargate earlier in Scorched Earth. Yeah. Yep. Saw him in Man of Steel mm -hmm. recently. Yeah, that doesn't look suspicious at all. They're still keeping it. Exactly what they're going to do with it, I'm not quite sure. It's shiny. I mean, where did the where did the people get all those jewels and stuff from? The peasants, the builders, you know, slaves. Hmm. Let's go to the treasure room. The Jaffa uniform is machine. Five thousand years. It's fortunate, isn't it? I like these jewels too. I think Ra must have had his pyramid carpeted. Doesn't seem to be very much thanking going on. To disgrace. Oh, and thank you, Peter Deloise. The classic shot of all four characters peeking around a corner. Brilliant. At last, we have some clanking. Okay, who will fit in this uniform? Yes. Watch your back, lads. Don't strain anything. Tilk, looking good. <laughs> mm. You really think they're going to let him just waltz in and take it? Now, this effect is worth every cent it cost. To them, it's like any number of dozens of ritualistic objects they pull up for any number of occasions. Besides, he's wearing the shiny suit. Yes, the shiny suit. Good luck. Yep, that always looks good. That looked better than in the movie. Yeah. But even for the movie, that was cutting edge. It doesn't really look like his head fit in after it shook, though. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Looks a bit lame. 
You mean Sphinx? The one though, that they showed you just, in the, just a moment ago. They did that cutaway where you saw the outside and the Sphinx kind of lying there. I don't know. I assumed it was the Sphinx. <laughs> Sorry, you said Sphinx. I was, I was thinking, what's the Sphinx? Is that like a singular? The great thing about Jafar... It's one of them. And the great thing about Jafar is that, you know, can't creep up on you. He just holds it. Job done. <laughs> we can go home. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> oh, if only it was that easy. It's never that easy. Ah, distant voices. Which just happens to be the name of a Deep Space Nine episode. Oh dear. Sandstorm. Didn't think of that, did you? Oh my god. Alright, we got a little problem here. Must have been a sandstorm during the night. Thank you, Captain Obvious. The Jafar will soon call for reinforcements if they have not already done so. We must move quickly. Sir, we can't. We've taken on more Jafar than that. You know what I mean. This is exactly the sort of high-impact event we're supposed to avoid. They have the ship. Will that not alter the future more than anything that we could do? Not necessarily. They don't know what it is. And even if they did, they can't use it. None of them have the gene. Even Ra won't be able to make it work. Nice little effect, though. Yeah, one of them could be Tilt's great, 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 great granddad. Well, his mother said. Or Braytex. Yeah. We take back our ship. Sir, we kill those Jaffa or worse, get captured, and we could alter the future immeasurably. If you're thinking we can go forward and then back again, just a couple of days. And <laughs> we park that thing where nobody can find it. We alter this timeline, and the future is already different. We could set into motion a spiral of changes that we could never fix. We've already done too much. I'm sorry, sir. I should never have allowed us to do this. Yet yeah, as time travel, this was good. Mm. I mean, we, we saw the real bad consequences of messing with the timeline. But they're obviously looking at a uh, very... You show me a view with the good consequences of messing with the timeline. Back to the future. See, they're obviously taking a very linear view. These days, people cop out and do the whole parallel universe thing. You know, you, you change something in the past and just diverge in timeline. It doesn't really affect anything. Right. Yeah, they can explain away anything these days. Time travel used to be wonderfully complicated. That's why I like mm. about this two-parter. Years? Sir, we don't have a choice. Carter, what about the ZPM? I mean, if we wait, we lose any chance of getting it back to our time. Preserving the timeline is more important. For all you know, things could get better. Or they could be worse. We can't take that chance. Well, I know a way we get the ZPM back to our time, even if we don't. Look at him trudging through the dunes. Oh, well. We should be hearing a Lawrence of Arabia theme here. <laughs> Whose idea was this? Years away from toilet paper and clean water. And jello. Yes. <laughs> no Simpsons. Or fishing. Yes. Or at least if you go near the Nile, you've got a good chance of being eaten by a crocodile. Anything about that. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah. Future selves. That's what I like about this one is they kind of. Well, it's future selves. We need to mm. We have to let things play out exactly the way they're meant to. Is that actually them or is that some people wandering through the tiny beast of sand? I don't know. It, it probably was them because easier to film them because they were there. Ah, here we go. This is what happens when you mess with the line. This is what happens when you fuss with it. Is he doing TEFL? What's that? Teaching English as a foreign language. Ah. <laughs> the process of integration that created it. This is what happens with a, to a disgraced archaeologist. How many of them are going to understand you, Daniel? Okay, uh, let's start with a simple greeting. Often the best way to begin interacting with someone is to find a topic of common interest. Everyone can relate to the weather, so let's start with that, shall we? Introduce yourself and... Talk about the weather. Yeah, Carlos. Now, is he an archaeologist or linguist, or is he both? At this stage, probably just an archaeologist. Hello, my name is Carlos. You made me so hot. <laughs> yeah. He's getting it. Yeah. Miles, you say that <laughs> to me all the time. Uh, not quite right, but the introduction part was good. Daniel, uh, sorry to bother you, but uh, there are some people here to see you. Uh, That's uh, Mr. Crandall, played by Neil Shell. Ah, Air Force people. Kind of people. Air Force people? Oh, like the tash. Mm. That mustache go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big concrete building. Department of Aerospace Research. Headquarters. Washington, D.C. And on the wall, what have you done to live up to your potential? Recruitment flyer. Quite fitting for this episode. 
She's really cute there. Just add glasses. And uh, just because my reproductive organs are on the inside instead of the outside doesn't... God, that's horrible. Who would ever say that? <laughs> you won this argument. This line, she's admitted to hating. <laughs> I think I was put in as a salvator for forcing her to say it in the first place. Oh. So I can understand why for Jackson... This is Amanda Tapping as Dwayne Ghibli. Yes, no? You guys watching Falling Skies? Not yet. No, I haven't oh, started this new season. Clifton Collins plays John Pope, and he is awesome. Clifton Collins? Not Clifton Collins. Uh, what's his name? Um, mm-hmm. The character's name plays Davis. He, he's Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal in Falling Skies. Mm-hmm. Yep, Colin Cunningham plays Davis, and John Pope on Falling Skies. Excellent actor. It's a matter of national security. I'm afraid I'm not at liberty to discuss that here. Oh, of course, by all means. Uh, we can talk privately in my office. Oh, no, I'm I'm not here to talk to you. I'd like to speak to Dr. Carter. And Sam is there looking a bit perplexed. An unusual look for her, it has to be said. Me? Aha, the good ship Homer. Colonel O'Neill. Samuels. You and the boys looking to charter a boat for the day? No, sir. I've been sent by the Pentagon to escort you back to Washington. I could give a rat's butt. It's a matter of national security, sir. Find someone else. We can't. It has to be you. Now, if you'll allow me, I'll try and explain it on the way. Ah, Samuels. Yeah, we haven't seen him for a while. Robert Wisden. I think he was appeared in three episodes of the first season, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Was he Hammond's XO in those first couple episodes? Yeah, he, he was always kind of, you know, calling for the military solution. Let's blow it up. That is the Broad Street Bridge in the background, and the filming on Granville Island. I'm too old for that. That boat needs mm. a good varnish. And probably <laughs> an engine there. I think his uh, retirement or pension check isn't really th- mm. that high. Off we go. Yo ho ho. It's not quite Dexter on Slice of Life, is it? Dr. Jackson. Come on, got to have patches on his elbows. <laughs> Sensible shoes. Hmm. She's standing. They're glasses, twins. <laughs> Daniel's giving her the once-over. Hi. Hi. Uh, Dr. Daniel Jackson. Dr. Samantha Carter. Oh, uh, a PhD. Oh, me too. Astrophysics. Oh, uh, Egyptology. You wouldn't happen to know why we're here. <laughs> Five thousand years ago, maybe, but uh, now, no. <laughs> Just kind of hoping you did. Sorry. <laughs> he looks like he's from the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I teach English as a second language. Department of Aerospace. Oh. Oh, I'm not as an astronaut. <laughs> no, I, uh, I check other people's scientific reports for factual errors or omissions before they get sent up to the director. My life sucks. Well, no, my life sucks too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dr. Jackson, Dr. Carter, I am General George Hammond. It's also worth noting that Amanda does have a bit of a reputation for pointing out flaws in scientific equations used in the show. See, on the background, they've got pictures of missiles and silos. At this moment in time, this is still a functioning nuclear silo. Yeah, I like what they did with, well, Hammond's only a one-star general here. Yeah. Yeah, he was always a good actor. He'll pop up in a, a B-movie or something and play a great part. I missed on Dave. Well, then you're free to leave. Yeah, I gotta say... The, those chairs tend to be expensive, but they're really not very comfortable. Agreed. Sam signs the document straight away. Daniel, a little more trepidation. No problem signing an NDA here. He's like, sign me up. He's like, hey, quickly, can I sign in blood? <laughs> if you click on iTunes, Terms and Conditions, you must all sign that. Uh, yeah. Not worry about you, it. You donate your heart, your body. Your... Series failed to gain much acceptance among your colleagues. You could say that. Egyptian pyramids as landing pads for alien spacecraft. I did not say that unequivocally. Um, I simply put forth the possibility that based on the knowledge that... All right, Doctor, you don't have to defend your theories here. A month ago, a team of archaeologists from the University of Chicago uncovered an ancient Egyptian tomb near Giza. Inside, they found artifacts typical of the period, plus one or two objects that have yet to be identified and a video camera. A video camera? 
It was perfectly preserved in a vacuum-sealed canopic jar. The technology is somewhat different to what is commercially available today, but we managed to charge the battery. <laughs> Characters like that. <laughs> so it does make you wonder if any of the technology they brought back, you know, did filter out into the standard commercial market, which explains the difference in video recording technology. Okay, um, my name is Dr. Daniel Jackson. I'm part of a team called SG-1, and we have just traveled back in time 5,000 years. Doesn't she look so completely wide-eyed? It takes about 10 years off her. Yeah, she has that deer-in-the-headlights look. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was Betamax. That's what that's what makes me curious. You said the, the technology is different. This is the big reveal. Before we're set to leave, uh, hopefully the timeline hasn't changed at all. Let's see, what are some recent major events? Uh, communism recently failed in Eastern Europe. Um, communism? What's that? Henry Hayes is president. What else? Henry Hayes? Secretary of the Interior. President Kinsey was less than amused when he saw that portion of the tape. Yeah. <laughs> Kinsey's president. Um, Samantha Carter, Lieutenant Colonel of the United States Air Force and a member of SG-1. But uh, I suppose we should tell them about the Stargate. Mm, I look good. Right, um, Watch. Colonel Carter and I work for an organization known as Stargate Command. It is located under Cheyenne Mountain. Now, for the past eight years, we've been regularly traveling through a large ring-shaped device known as the Stargate. Now, this is Peter DeLuise filming the Steadicam footage. Yeah. They actually asked the uh, the professional cameraman to film it, and he couldn't make it look amateur. <laughs> That's convincing. I wonder if they planned the speech out beforehand, knowing that they'd have limited time. <laughs> well, at this point, they're not sure they're going to get it for season nine. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Tape is provided with the tools you will need to go back in time and set things right. If, for whatever reason, the Stargate has not been discovered, you will have to find it and get it up and running. Uh, Jack, you should say something. We should all appear on the tape. We have no way of knowing how things could have changed. So Jack's a little camera shy then. Who would have thought? Here's Jack. Uh, uh, General Jack O'Neill, United States Air Force. How you doing? How are you doing? It's Jack as <laughs> Joey. If somebody's watching this, please record the symptoms for me. Uh, college football is played on Saturdays, pro on Sundays, and there are no fish in my pond at all where I fish and there are no fish in my pond that's a significant line yep especially given what happens at the end of part two did he say stargate time travel <laughs> as if it wasn't bizarre yeah. enough hmm. he probably got that first time while everybody else in that base had to watch it two or three times to figure hmm. it all out you know being she's an astrophysicist I mean it's a leap but not a giant leap for her as opposed to uh, Jackson in some alternate timeline, we're part of a team that travels to other planets and defends Earth against alien invasions. I know. Uh, something's gone wrong. The yeah. gate isn't there. Wait, what about the Stargate? Did you look for it? Well, we searched the coordinates provided on the tape, but we didn't find anything. The area had already been excavated previously in 1934 by a Dr. Langford. But he found nothing but a tablet inscribed with hieroglyphics that no one has ever been able to translate. We were wondering if you'd like to take a crack at it. Are you kidding? <laughs> I like it. Daniel's eyes light up. And not in a bad way. Well, the canteen is even more depressing in this reality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No jello. And the light's a lot lower. It is a little dark in there, it seems. If this is uh, level 28, then perhaps there's just simply not that many personnel. It's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Time travel is theoretically possible. There's been a lot of research into the area of quantum gravity, which suggests that time flows like rotating fluid within our galaxy. Ah, Jello. I see Jello in the background. But here's a green and red. Doesn't count if it's not blue. It was green and orange. Fortunately, I see anything brightly coloured. I think for some reason, Mike of Candy Crush Saga. I wonder why. <laughs> I didn't force you to play it. You suggested it. That's usually enough. I like this exchange between them too. Mm. Talking about their lives could be something more. I think it's obvious that Daniel feels the loss of what could have been more than Samantha. She obviously wants more, but perhaps has not had the opportunity to actually excel in her own field yet. What do you think they're going to do? 
ask us to join an elite team of intergalactic space heroes? Intergalactic space heroes? I think the only reason that they showed us the tape is because we're on it. Exactly. You can almost see the light bulbs going off above the heads. That's a very, very, very old flat screen. Well, like everything, state-of-the-art when it was filmed. Come on, Daniel. Think. You know you're going to forget something. Hope it's not important. Okay. Now, this is very important. It's called a ZPM. Zero point. What? I believe the battery's about to expire. Okay, this is a very important. It's called a zero-point module, and its purpose is to detect... How's that for timing? <laughs> you warned him a bit earlier, could you tell? This ZPM was recovered along with the tape? Yes, we have a team of scientists studying it as we speak. Can I have a look at it? How's the translation come? Oh, foo, fee, It's an uh, obscure dialect. I can see why your experts had trouble. Wouldn't they yeah. have got hold of the original artifact? Yeah, probably because Daniel chiseled that tablet. <laughs> it's a letter to yourself. Yes, indeed. See, in 2995 BC, about five years after the team on this tape arrived in the past, there was an uprising. The ancient Egyptians rebelled against the sun god Ra, or at least someone who they believed to be an imposter. Now, apparently, whoever this imposter was, he left in a great flying ship uh, and took the Stargate with him. That is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, but the tablet makes reference to a, a location where there might be a second Stargate here on Earth. Where? Oh, I'm still working on that. Oopsie. Simplest things can change. Uh-huh. <laughs> Work harder, Daniel, or else. If it's all right with you, I'd like to join the expedition to, to find the second gate. I don't know. <laughs> this island speaks volumes. You're right. They're gonna shut us up. Look, blue jello. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say I'm surprised. Still haven't finished the entire translation yet, which means we still have some leverage. That's leverage. You get the blue jello if you get to the canteen early. It blends with the uh, tablecloth. Somewhere in Antarctica? Well, it doesn't even say that. It says the land of the cold of the south, which I'm guessing means Antarctica. It's a big place. Lots of ice. Yeah, I'm guessing whoever wrote the tablet didn't have a way of explaining latitude and longitude in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. Well, at least you're still useful to them. I don't know why they're keeping me around. Well, I'm not going to let them shut you out either. I mean, we're supposed to be a team. We have to stick together. The land of cold to the south. Not for much longer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. We need someone who's willing to go to bat for us. Someone they can't say no to. <laughs> oh, bless. Remove the glasses. Let your hair grow a bit. Always works in the movies. He's not cheap, is he? He doesn't want the business. Yeah, check, check, check. <laughs> now, he's doing his best MacGyver impression on an engine that isn't actually situated there on that boat. Cairo <laughs> would have it solved by now. <laughs> yeah. You folks looking for a little tour? Jack O'Neill? Yeah. Uh, I'm Daniel Jackson. This is Samantha Carter. Hey. <laughs> I think she loved this. I wonder if she based playing it off. Uh, I mean, when she started cosplaying character at conventions. What do you want? Mm-hmm. Well, uh... We were recently approached by the military... About a, uh, a matter of, um, national security. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this really called for a Wolverine moment, didn't it? Yeah. One of the best scenes in the whole movie. Five seconds, Hugh Jackman managed to steal the entire movie. We don't want to go anywhere. It's your money. So ultimately what we have to do is this. We have to find the Stargate and then get hold of this time travel device. Locate this alien named Teal. Right, get Teal first, then go back in time to change the past, fix the future. Peter DeLuise, when he was filming this scene, just happened to notice the life preservers on the boat mm. and decided to use them. It wasn't scripted or anything. <laughs> it adds to as if they weren't geeky looking enough. Yeah, I suppose it does sound a little crazy. Really? Which part? Oh, yeah, they do look really nerdy. <laughs> totally. I'd have to say, the moment I let you on board. You don't have to believe us. All we ask is that you watch the tape and decide for yourself. You know I have decided, and hey, look, your time's up. Are, are you the least bit intrigued that there might be something else out there somewhere? Uh, no. Something more than this. <laughs> Jack hasn't mellowed in this uh, timeline, has he? Same demeanor. No. I'm happy here, for out loud. 
We're supposed to be a team. We saved the world. Several times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why is he standing Canadian? Because he is Canadian? I guess being in Vancouver rubbed off on him. Okay. I can't believe I wasted my frequent flyer miles on this. Of course Sam would have frequent flyer miles. <laughs> I made a profit for this day. Everything's good. <laughs> he makes her keep it on. <laughs> Why? It's been an awkward. This is a Carter Air moment. <laughs> yeah. You could have just opened it the way Daniel did. Well, that wasn't funny, was it? <laughs> now we do need the special hold moose. Dignity, Sam. Keep your dignity. No worries, eh? Ah, well. Jack's a happy camper. This I like about this SGC. The security guards look at the business. Mm -hmm. Dr. Carter, Dr. Jackson. Major, what's this about? Did you find the second Stargate? No, we didn't. But we decided to show you something else. Um. Oh. Yes, come this way. Oh. -ho. <laughs> we did find something. Aha. Uh -huh. Whoa. We think this was the ship SG-1 used to travel back in time. Exactly. We pretty much all I said about 10 seconds ago. Yes, but guess who can fly it? This might well, pique Jack's interest. Where'd you find it? It was uncovered during an excavation of the area around the tomb where the tape was found. Please. So somehow it got decloaked over time. Yeah, they don't explain that, how it mm -hmm. got decloaked. And we don't really know how good ancient batteries are. That's true. This is incredible. Is it operational? Not yet. I think we know who can get it operational. Yep. Yeah, that control panel always did look a bit plasticky. Yeah. I did like, though, that they put a DHD on the bottle jumpers, though. That is nice. The tape said that, the, that this was able to go through the Stargate as well as time travel. So this must be what dials the gate. Don't touch anything! Please. Leave the touching to the experts. Oh... Yay! Rodney, Mr. Mr. Fantastic. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, in this reality, he is the bee's knees. He's never yes. met Sam Carter. And he's already instantly in love. Hmm. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Look at the softened expression on his face. Like, hey. Yes, now he's getting all creepy, guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, did you try dialing the Stargate address that the Daniel Jackson on the tape mentions? No. Why would we do that? Well, just to see if... Of course we tried. It's called sarcasm. We tried the address numerous times. Nothing happened. Uh, this is uh, old school Rodney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rodney's the man that makes Kinsey seem warm and fuzzy. Why did not get Ronnie Cox to get in this? That would have been awesome. We're on the tape. Oh, you, you I would listen to if you were reading a phone book. <laughs> well, no, it would have been recorded a shower afterwards. Still, I would listen to Tim Carter if she was reading the phone book, too. Why don't I take you to lunch? Get you up to speed. I hear it's lemon chicken today. My favorite. Hmm? Watch his hand. Watch it. Yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> lemon chicken. In this reality, Rodney doesn't have a citrus allergy. Nobody else knows that, seriously. Daniel. Yeah, now you can say it. I noticed it now. Yeah, I'm... it was brought up. <laughs> Is it behind me? Okay. <laughs> oh, thank God. I think I lost him. The guy is driving me nuts. Any progress with the ship? Well, the technology is way beyond us. But I do have something. It could be big. What? Remember how McKay said they tried dialing the Stargate address several times and nothing happened? Yeah. I started thinking. Nothing happened here. <laughs> Clever girl. Now, this sounds like the character we know. Yeah, she's confident. Yeah. We're waiting to see General Hammond. Give her something she, she knows. She what almost slides into the voice of the original Sam Carter, too, here. Yeah. Okay, then, guys, this is your moment. Play your cards right. Don't give too much away. But get everything you want. I cross-referenced our previous attempts to dial the gate with some recent seismic activity in Antarctica. They're a perfect match. The epicenter in all eight cases was exactly the same. Approximately 50 miles outside of McMurdo. That is where you'll find your second gate. Worth it. <laughs> well, now you've told him. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh. you say you. Back off. <laughs> Steady on, guys. 
That self-satisfied, smug look doesn't really become you. Here now, I'm your health and safety representative. Work boot and safety hat, where are they? Shut down this construction site, everybody out. Oh, big shiny gate. It was exactly where you said it would be. Good work. Thank you, sir. I want you all to know that your help on this project was most appreciated. Your country owes you a debt of gratitude. They've CGI'd out the existing gate, and they're wheeling in the uh, computers at the back. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second time we, we saw the gate go up once, and now we're seeing it lowered. I'm sure I don't need to remind you of the details of the non-disclosure agreement. Well, well, wait a minute. You are going to send a team through the gate, aren't you? We're assembling a team as we speak. But you saw the tape. We are that team. I mean, if anybody should be going, it's us. I'm sorry, Doctor. We don't want to go home. But neither you nor Dr. Carter possess the training or qualifications for a mission like this. That's just the way it is. <laughs> yes. You know, they have contributed. I mean, so just dump them on the side seems... A little abrupt. They are a valuable resource, you know. In a firefight, there would be a liability, but they're going into a situation they don't know what they're going to expect, so having a couple of intelligent people along would be useful. Mm -hmm. I remember I watched this when Sky showed that. I had to wait a week for part two, and I was tromping at the bit. <laughs> it was like, but what did that, that, that? That was good. Okay, then. That was Mobius part one. A little slower than I remembered it, and I've already watched it once this week already. Not for me. Building up nicer, though, to the big adventure in the second part. Indeed. I liked that you know, we saw alternate versions of our heroes so far. I like what this what Stargate does. is I mean, they can kill off our heroes, but bring them back in an alternate timeline. I did think how, how much fun as an, for, for them as actors who've been playing the same type of characters with basically the same demeanor over the years had a chance to kind of step out of the roles and kind of reinvent themselves. Uh, that had to be extremely fun from an acting point of view um, to kind of play an alternate personality of themselves, someone that was different enough that it wasn't the same character. Well, in fairness, I mean, Michael Shanks has done that a lot, especially in... Did he get an Emmy for that one? The episode where he posted sort of half a civilization. I think it was only a nomination. Yeah. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We'll kick off with a little bit of news, both good and bad. Condolences to the friends and family of Corey Monteith, who died on the 13th of July. Corey was the star of Glee, playing the character Finn Hudson. He also voiced the same character on The Simpsons. He appeared on Stargate SG-1 as a young Cameron Mitchell in the episode 200, and on Stargate Atlantis as a Jedi soldier. He also made a guest appearance on Kyle XY, another show I quite enjoyed. A tragedy when one so young dies, especially from our perspective, he had it made with fame and fortune. But to lighten the mood, Netflix UK now carried Stargate Atlantis. Many thanks to Kevin for pointing that out to us last week. On the feedback front, on our Facebook page, Brad Mull posted a new thread for Gatecast episode 96 between two fires. Since their introduction in Season 1's Enigma, I've always believed the Tolan have been underused and not really treated that well. And now, three episodes later, we are left with so many questions about their future, if there is one. In saying that, this is a fantastic episode with the Gwold once again trying to destroy Earth. The team detective parts are always good, and poor Nareem. All he ever wanted was to love Carter. Pity we never got resolution to the Tolan's fall. Oh, and Nareem's computer having Sam's voice on it was priceless. Yes, the Tolan were a very interesting alien race. A human offshoot, about 800 years more advanced than us. Certainly would have been interesting if we had more interaction with them. But at least Garwin Sanford went on to appear as other characters. We also got some feedback for our episode, The Gift. Gate Tech Alpha 6 posted, Early release. Thanks, guys. Even Tilk had more character development in SG-1, Season 1. I assume he was talking about Taylor. Bradmore posted, Yeah, in my defence for not liking Taylor. She was meant to be an upgrade of Tilk, but her character just had little or no development across the whole series. They throw in an episode each season for her to do something, but the character and her people were completely underutilised in Atlantis. Because of this, The Gift, The Queen, and most of the Taylor episodes, I just don't care for. With the exception of one season 5 episode, where it comes full circle. 
I'm surprised you left the Miss Olsen reference in the app. I replied, if you don't know who she was, then no harm done. And if you look and have safe search unticked, well, whose fault would that be? Brad replied, also it's good to hear the TV spot for the next episode, which made a return. Something I missed from the earlier episodes. I wrapped up. They became very hard to find, but I was grabbing another file, so did a search, and it was there. Yeah, the uh, TV spots. I really used to enjoy including them. Not many people posting them from the US Sci-Fi Channel back in the day. And to wrap up, a few notable birthdays for the upcoming week. On the 23rd, Ronnie Cox, the great Senator Robert Ginsey, is having his birthday. And on the 25th, Michael Welsh, who played young Jack O'Neill, will be celebrating his birth. And on the 26th, Ben Cotton, the man we all love to hate, playing Kavanaugh. Or shall I say, Kavanaugh, the man we all love to hate. Happy birthday, guys. And there's my doorbell again. <laughs> Mate, would you be terribly off-put if I skipped part two in order to actually, you know, eat? I didn't get out walk until after six. Okay then, that was Mobius part one. I have to cut this episode a little short. Alan's got the munchies. I'm on. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the whole season of Stargate SG-1, and Mobius specifically, as well as any aspect of the show or our podcast. We love voicemails, but are always grateful for the continued support by Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Stitcher, iTunes, and the Gatecast website. Many thanks once again to Scott and Miles for joining us. It hasn't been smooth sailing, and that's our fault. We remain a pretty rough-and-ready podcast, and the guys of the Sci-Fi Diner deserve better. So please check out their podcast, which can be found at scifidinerpodcast.com and on Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube and Facebook. Scott can be found on Twitter at Sci-Fi Diner and Miles at Son of Wharf. Say hi, why don't you? And believe me, their interviews have been some of the highlights of my podcast listening over the last few years. Come try ya! We always get a warm and fuzzy feeling when we get some feedback on the show, so if you'd like to send us something, then please do so. We will endeavour to include it in the next show or relevant show if that's more appropriate. You can email us, including an audio message, using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. And we have groups and pages on both Facebook and Google+. You can search for us using generic Stargate or more specifically Gatecast. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio under Gatecast. And we simply swoon when we get an iTunes rating and review. They help the show get promotion on that service. Twitter seems to be popular. And you can find us at the Gatecast, which is one word. And finally, there is our main website, gatecast.co.uk, which has a variety of contact and links for keeping our Stargate family all together. Next week, we've got Mobius Part 2. Uh, we're not going to jump to Atlantis. We're going to save that two-parter for the week after. It seems a bit silly doing the Siege Part 1 when they haven't actually found a ZPM yet. <laughs> I hope that all makes sense. Thank you very much to Scott and Miles for joining us for this episode. Enjoy yourself, guys. Very much. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely. We'll see you next week, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Bye.